0: Welcome back to the Atomai Freight podcast from Digital Trader Services with me, Dom Birch. This is the podcast where we get to speak to thought leaders from across the industry, and I'm absolutely delighted this week to welcome onto the podcast a real legend of the Northern Irish food and drink sector, Michael Bell OBE. Now, Michael is the Executive Director of Northern Ireland Food and Drink Association. He has a passion for food that started as a small boy uh, working with his father in the home bakery, but has had a number of decades ever since. Michael, I could sort of go on and on and on and describe you in great detail, but we'll run out of time. So first of all, just welcome along to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Dom. That was a suitably embarrassing introduction.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Give me a bit of background to you, but also to just the sheer scale and sophistication of the Northern Irish food and drink sector? Because there'll be many that don't know just how many people Northern Ireland feeds across, not just the UK, but you know, wider Europe.
1: So this is a big subject, but to try and, and help people get a handle on it, I actually coined the phrase 10 million. Now, that's an approximation based on the value, but it does, I think, accurately give people an idea of the scale. In numbers, it's 5.4 billion turnover. It's easily the biggest part of the private sector in Northern Ireland. It's about a fifth of all employment in Northern Ireland. That's about 113,000 jobs. And it's across a number of sectors, poultry, meat, dairy, bakery, drinks, uh, fruit and veg. Um, So there's quite a spectrum of products. I think one of the most interesting things is that the UK as a whole is a 50% net importer of food and drink, and Northern Ireland as a whole is a 75% net exporter of food and drink, mostly to GB. Of that 10 million figure, my best estimate would be 6 to 7 million of those people are in GB. So we are a major, major part of the UK's food security and its supply chain.
0: Absolutely. And then I guess things like Brexit come along and start putting in a level of complexity, Um, you know, putting the politics to one side. It just means there's more checks and measures now, the way that companies are able to move goods from let's say, a primary producer in England that needs to move some product over to Northern Ireland for it to then be turned into something rather wonderful for a high-end retailer. Those sorts of movements suddenly become a little bit more complicated. I mean, you must have had, over the last few years, Michael, a, a number of moments of ex- exacerbation, to say the least. What's that been like for for members of your of, of your organisation?
1: It's been difficult for some, and it has been actually not a problem at all for others, And that in itself makes it difficult to describe. The summary position is that for a majority of the companies that I work with, which is over 120, it's been fine, albeit there has been more bureaucracy and more input required to move goods as compared to previously. For a minority, it's been very difficult. And that minority tends to be importer distributors of specialized materials and whilst those companies may be not that big in turnover terms, they can actually be very, very significant in terms of key ingredients that they supply to a sector, which then brings it round to what is it we need? And more than anything, we need the movement of goods to be affordable, certain, simple and stable And I think that's uh, something your own organization has a very large role to help us with, because if we don't get this right, we are going to add to the cost of food. And as we know, the cost of food and inflation at the minute is unprecedented. And and we all have a duty in this industry to try and keep food affordable. Also, we will reduce consumer choice by restricting the movement goods. And there's also a big danger that will increase uh, food waste. By unnecessary segregation and itemising of foods, um, so it's it's a it's a big big issue. Don.
0: And and you touched on a couple of those sort of big mega trends, which I, we, we can talk about in a bit more detail in a moment. But I'm interested in in because you have this sort of unique perspective where you're right in the heart of a of an industry, and you're going to see different parts of that food supply chain sometimes working together, sometimes not quite working together effectively. Now, you call that the sort of eating ecosystem, don't you, where the sectors yes. have all the little sort of related. When that comes together in a, in a really effective way, what are those elements? When you, when you see it working efficiently and well, what is it that the participants are doing in order for that ecosystem to flourish?
1: The supply chain implies a mental picture of one link hanging off another and being totally dependent on the link above it. That's not the reality of how food and drink works. It's actually a very complex set of interrelationships of various materials moving in various directions. And and Northern Ireland is a very good example. Our GB colleagues manufacturing food in GB and shipping into Northern Ireland are part of the equilibrium that means that we have empty distribution lorries in Northern Ireland to distribute Northern Ireland-produced food and drink back into GB. So that's just a little example of of the ecosystem equilibrium. To your question, I think the critical thing is building very good data movement so that it's fast, it's accurate. But more than that, that it's robust and it has levels of error correction built into it. Sorting out problems at customs where a individual has something on a bit of paper that doesn't quite match a scenario which can happen very easily. For example, the uh, tractor breaks down and is replaced with another tractor and the registrations don't match. The goods have had to be put to another port because the load missed the ferry sailing due to weather or breakdown or whatever. So there's, there's a whole raft of scenarios that can throw up problems. And the faster and better we can move data the faster and better we can assure our government colleagues on both Europe and UKG that the load is genuine, correct, safe, and should be allowed to continue. Or we can find uh, the bad actors who shouldn't be allowed to move the goods. And, and both of those are equally important.
0: Absolutely. And I want to I want to go back to into some of those mega trends, because you talked on, on, on food wastage, and of course, we're in the midst now of this, as you say, unprecedented uh, impact on cost of food and, and, you know, people putting stuff in their trolleys right now. But what are some of the other um, things that, you know, the food and drink industry are having to react to? Because there's a climate crisis that I think you know everyone more or less these days agrees is real and happening and is an emergency but you've also got things like government policy coming alongside that on things like healthier diets which you know on the one hand are having to deliver aren't they for the well-being of society and to try and sort of manage if you like that later impact on a health service but also those things add complexity and cost don't they into into the food and drink sector and I'm sort of looking one eye around the corner Michael when goods in the next couple of years are going to have to have different labels on them depending on where they're being sold in the UK so you know these sorts of issues how how do the the, you know organizations like yourself how do you help your members sort of navigate (laughs) this extremely complex ecosystem and that kind of outer context, if you like, of you know new regulations. A good
1: example of that uh, very recently the piece of legislation coming at the drink sector, which is a thing called deposit return scheme, where the consumer will pay a deposit on a can or a bottle and will get the deposit back when it's returned. These sort of schemes are operating in other jurisdictions in Europe at the minute uh, quite successfully. We're keen to see it introduced in the UK as well. However, it has to be introduced in a way that the industry can operate successfully and that recycles the money to the consumer and the environment's benefit. So I suppose that's a long-winded answer to say as far as we are given a mandate by our members, we represent them in all sorts of government interfaces at all sorts of level. With some success, we've been doing this now for 27 years and one of the ones which we are currently fighting extremely hard for is a level playing field on capital support um whilst we would love to invest in innovation for sustainability and innovation for productivity not least data management you will get government support in scotland wales england but not currently northern ireland and we think that's manifestly unfair
0: and you've touched on data a couple of times Food traceability is clearly going to become, it's always been important, but every new food scare, every new crisis brings with it then this notion that we need to get even better and we need to improve once again. And we're sort of, what, 10 years on since the horse meat scandal more or less to the to the week to the day, I remember it clearly. But but with food traceability, understanding the data and being able to sort of demonstrate that something really is what it says it is, whether that's the ingredients could be allergens, couldn't it? That people need to avoid. What's your thoughts on that? Because I guess every year with technology and with you know demand and consumer expectation, the sort of the bar gets raised, doesn't it? In terms of how much proof we require of people to be able to demonstrate things really are what they say they are.
1: I think this is a really, really important area. And I'd start off by highlighting something that Brexit has thrown up, which is not really well understood yet. Uh, Europe fundamentally believes that food security and food integrity are public goods, and public goods are things that you'll spend taxpayers' money on. So that is why Europe has this raft of food legislation and the very recent debate last week on arsenic in baby foods, where Europe has tightened standards even further, is typical behaviour of Europe, driven by this core uh, belief at the centre, which is that public food security and food integrity are things that the government shouldn't drive. The UK government does not believe that food security or food integrity are public goods, It does believe that air quality is public good and that water quality is public good. And in fact, we've just created a department to look at energy security. I think we have a big debate yet to happen in the UK about what is our view of food security and integrity. The industry is under no illusions whatsoever. The industry wants to work to the highest possible standards and give the public as much assurance as it can. But in order to do that, we have to find ways to do it that are very cost effective and not burden the consumer with unnecessary costs.
0: Absolutely. Uh, final point there, Michael. You know, the, the supply chain or ecosystem, actually, let's keep calling it that, our eating ecosystem, is modernising and technology is beginning to really filter through, you know, all companies. But I'm sure for a lot of, particularly producers and manufacturers of goods, their frustration will be every retailer has a different system, right? And so what they're looking for probably is not just to be able to harness this great technology that's now out there that allows them to have visibility of where things are in the supply chain, whether that's on a lorry or on a ferry, uh, security that it's not been tampered with and that it's able to get through the port. And if a tractor breaks down, that a system says, don't worry, because the tractor that's replaced it for this trusted trader is tickety-boo, so crack on. That kind of modernization that's happening... You know what would it be? What would your ask be? I guess because you know you'll have it from both sides, won't you, across the sector? What is it you think that the producers from Northern Ireland really, really are looking for from technology in the in the years ahead?
1: There's two separate things that we really need to address. The first is that virtually every food manufacturer is what I call a legacy business. So it's very rare in food that you get a a foreign direct investment, a new greenfield build in which case it's a perfect rectangle and goods go in raw materials go in one end you manufacture and finished goods come out the other in the real world companies start small and add a bit on and add a bit on and add a bit on and become very large businesses and as a result they have legacy machines that don't talk to each other and legacy production lines which are not necessarily optimized there's a lot of legacy work to be done to improve efficiency, optimize communication between various bits of equipment to get the most efficient solution possible. And that, if you like, is the internal part of the industry. The customer interface, you're quite right. Different retailers have different asks. We have a lot of work to do there on streamlining of packaging where different customers want the product wrapped in different ways with different uh, materials. In order to drive down the use of plastics, in order to improve the circular economy and improve our sustainability, we will have to rationalize some of those choices. And you're starting to see that happen um, mostly in food service at the minute, where polystyrene has more or less been discontinued and replaced with more sustainable alternatives. We have a packaging group working on this, but one of the things we found really quite amazing was that Even in a group of 12 or 13 companies, there were more than 40 different types of packaging film being used, which was really uh, the best way to describe it was plastic A plus plastic B for one operation, and then A plus B plus C for another, and so on and so forth. The other area is innovation for sustainability. Um, We must get more sustainable. We are challenged as one of the biggest CO2 equivalent impacting sectors in Northern Ireland to significantly improve, and we will have to invest heavily to achieve that. I also think we have to get real. We are carrying the environmental footprint of producing food for 10 million people, not the 1.8 million who happen to live in Northern Ireland. And at the minute, the statistics and the view of the statistics is that the environmental performance of Northern Ireland is awful. I don't think that's a fair representation. I think it is proportional to the amount of food that we produce. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we have to make a step change in our environmental performance over the next decade.
0: So, Michael, what's next then for NIFTA? I mean, I, I get the impression you're the kind of organisation and certainly the kind of person that doesn't stand still for long. What, what's on your your to-do list for the months ahead?
1: We've got two major things coming up, actually, in the next month. We've just agreed a uh, nearly £200,000 project with government to support our members with advanced manufacturing development. And we'll be launching that at our uh, industry conference, which is really a, a major forum for the industry policymakers and regulators to get together and debate the issues. And that's coming up on the 25th of April. We have the Food Standards Agency, the Grocery Code Adjudicator, et cetera, et cetera. So those are significant, hopefully useful supports for our members to help them adapt and grow.
0: Michael, we'll have to leave it there. We're out of time. But um, I could chat to you all day long. And I'm sure (laughs) if you're up for it, I'm sure we'll invite you back on the podcast. But in the meantime, Michael, Bell, OBE. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to find out more about the Northern Ireland Food and Drink Association, you can log on at NIFTA.co.uk or you can just type Michael Bell into the World Wide Interweb and you will find him and all the things that they're up to. Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much.